Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Best Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and this week it is a British Open review edition. Colin Morikawa is now your winner. He is the champion golfer of the year for 2021. He is one at Royal St. George's. I'm joined by Adam Shupak, who is also a senior writer with GolfWeek, GolfWeek.com in USA Today. Adam, you are safely sequestered down there in South Florida. <laughs> Neither of us went to Royal St. George this year because of COVID restrictions and travel craziness and all that. Um, Colin Morikawa is our winner. It, it feels about right. He's going to go up to number three in the world. Um, what, what were your impressions? Let's speak broadly to begin with about uh, this year's British Open. Well, he, he did everything you, you want to see in a winner, but still, it, it still kind of blows my mind that he's only played in eight majors in his career, and he's won two yeah. of them. And he probably could, he could have very easily won the U.S. Open in June. It, it was there for the taking. And, I mean, this guy is, is just, he just gets it done. I, I really, you know, for being 24, for the lack of experience, he, he hadn't played Lynx golf until last week when he showed up at the Scottish Open, barely made the cut. And looked like I actually thought when I saw how he played there, I thought, ah, it's too soon. He's he's got to get it takes he takes a little while to get your legs and learn how to play. Think how long it took Phil Mickelson to figure out how to play Lynx golf. Right. And and I thought you know maybe in five years he wins. But what what he did, the way he played, the bogey free golf on most of the weekend, and just um, you know he smelled blood there on the seventh hole when when Louis faltered and and just yeah. you know. Did what he had to do from there on in, and any time he saw Jordan Speed sneaking up on him, he was like, "Okay, I'll just make a birdie, or I'll just make a big clutch par putt," and uh, and and he took care of business. It was very methodical. It was very systematic. I mean, I'm sure for for he and his caddy, there was a lot of stuff going on that that we weren't privy to over the broadcast. And again, you and I were not there, and this is sort of an odd situation for both of us to be watching this on the broadcast, but. I think Azinger did a really good job, you know, for NBC when he was talking about this is a guy who is very mature beyond his years. That he is somebody who plays the game not necessarily the bomb and gouge style that's really become the fashion on the PGA Tour, where guys will hit it as far as they can, find it, and then wedge it onto the green if that means from the rough. Morikawa is somebody who is hitting lots of fairways. He's hitting more greens and rag and is. Right now, the best iron player on the planet. I mean, the statistics back that up, but you watch that performance um, this week at Royal St. George. He was just giving himself so many looks. Um, He was playing some really, really smart golf. And I think it's really interesting, as you point out, he doesn't have experience playing Lynx golf. This is not something that he grew up playing. It's not something you would think he would be able to take too easily. But yet again, he figured it out, adjusting at the Scottish Open, having played there, and he mentioned it a couple times, if I didn't play the Scottish and didn't learn the stuff there, then I wouldn't have been successful at this. I needed that. Make some equipment changes, basically, which I thought were kind of interesting, being the gear nerd that I was, and just goes out there and does it and handles it. So I, I guess, are we? do we need to reevaluate the value of experience 
um, as far as young players coming out and, and winning and competing in major championships? Or do you think that because this specific British Open, we didn't get rain, we didn't get crazy wind, um, the golf course got firmer and faster as the week went along, but as Lynx golf goes, those were relatively benign conditions. And it's the same conditions for everybody, but do, do we need to reevaluate how we think experience values and plays out for these elite guys when they're young? I, I think to some extent, because just, I mean, these guys come out now, these young kids come out straight from college or even sooner, and they're so ready. They've been playing these big events for years. They've gotten starts, whether through the, you know, winning a college tournament or an AJGA event. So they've all already played in PGA Tour events, typically. They, they've, they've had chances at majors as an amateur. And so by the time they turn pro, yeah, they're, they're 21, 22, but they've been there, done that. It's not that yeah. different. Uh, there, there is still something. I feel like this one surprises me a bit because the British is that major that Tom Watson can still compete at 59. And, you know, you you, you see guys win in their 40s or, you know, uh, even Greg Norman had. It seemed like every year somebody yeah. in their in their late 40s, early 50s was, was playing in one of the last few groups or, or had a really solid chance to win uh, at, at the British because of that experience you talked about. Typically, not as long a course, and you know, I think I think it did help Colin Morikawa a little bit. Although the guy's just a great ball striker, he would have probably got it anyway. Stud. But no wind, no wind, very benign conditions. Uh, the ball was not the the course didn't play fast and firm as we often see it. So uh, I don't want to take anything away from the guy, but I think that maybe mm-hmm. made it a little bit easier for somebody just in his in his debut at the British Open. Well, there were there were a bunch of people who, when he wins at TPC Harding Park at the 2020 PGA Championship, who say like, "Hey, look, you know, clearly a talented player, no fans, and fans bring energy, fans bring tension. It's it's a different deal winning a PGA Tour event in front of volunteers and a, a handful of media. When you get twenty or thirty thousand people, there's an electricity in the air. It's a totally different deal. You're going to hear roars all over the place. And I think we've all come to learn that." There's a lot to that, that that fans can affect sports. We always sort of figured that they could. Home teams, you know, getting a little bit of a boost or the energy when the crowd gets behind them. But golf, we have seen really, I think, since the PGA Championship this year, where obviously that pro-Mickelson crowd really helped. And Lefty talked about how that, that really gave him a boost. Morikawa's now one with no fans out there at TPC Harding Park. And he's one with 32,000 people who I think – Probably started the day, if I'm guessing, certainly not anti-Morikawa in any way. But I think there was probably more of a feeling of like, we want to see Louis break the streak. And we'll get to a little bit of Louis who stays in here in just a couple minutes. But but I would anticipate that the crowd was probably more pro him than, than anti-Morikawa. He's shown that he can win wherever he wants on any type of golf course, hasn't he? He has. And hey, let's just talk about the common denominator of those two victories. He's the best putter. He's the best putter in both of those events. And if oh, yeah. he's going to be if, – if the putter gets hot for him, he, he's definitely a streaky putter. But his, his strokes gain is, is pretty bad. I think I think 174 coming into this week. I mean, he's he's yep. beyond mediocre. He's, he's poor, statistically speaking. Yeah. But he was number one in strokes gain putting when he won at, at uh, the PGA Championship. And I don't know. I didn't see the final standings, but I think he, he was at least leading very late in the round. And – with you know, definitely in the top ten this week. Yeah. So, if he puts yeah. like that with his ball striking, it's it's almost it's not, not a fair, a fair fight. fight. 
No, it's 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 Jinx, not. Show me a and, Coke. And, 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 yeah, there you go. It's but but we've said that, and there's been this talk back and forth about there are certain guys when they get it going with the putter where it's it's what you're waiting for, and and this is one of the things. And you and I have talked about this at length, and we're probably more of the two statistically minded guys on the staff at Golf Week, where we we have come to understand or just accept that ball striking travels. A good iron game travels. You know, it can be sometimes harder. To, to hit some fairways than others, but you'd love to be longer off the tee than shorter. But if you're a player who's a really elite iron player, you're you're always going to be around. And when you get on a hot week with the putter, which obviously Morikawa had this week, you're going to be really hard to beat. Now, for a while, Jordan Spieth, a lot of people don't give him credit for this, um, was one of the elite guys in strokes gained approach the green. You know, when he's really at the height of his powers, 2015, 16, 17, He's ball striking his way all over the place. Um, it's easy to see it when it's a guy who does it like once or twice a year, the way Jason Duffner, for example, used to do it. If Morikawa can figure out a way to be a tour average putter, he's going to win four, five, six PGA Tour events a year. And on the harder golf courses where the greens get baked out and, and conditions get more and more challenging, that ball striking travels. You know, it just does. And he will be a factor in majors easily barring injury for the next decade to decade and a half. I mean, that, that you don't get guys who are streaky iron players. You're, you tend to be really good or you tend to be somebody who's struggling, trying to improve putting can have variance. His, his ball striking doesn't have variance. And I, I think people are in deep trouble trying to chase this kid down. I also love the attitude. Talk to me a little bit about like when he's, out there, and you mentioned like he sensed there was a little bit of blood in the water when Louis Oosthuizen goes bunker to bunker, and and gives up the lead on a on a five par, of which there were only two at Royal St George. Morikawa sees the day right there. I mean, I almost had the feeling that that barring something really really crazy, the turn was over because he smelled the blood in the water. Yeah, and then he and then he birdies the next two holes, and and he's four yeah. four up on Louis just like that. And and I mean, I, I was really impressed with how Jordan fought and battled. Uh, For know, sure. a bit of a slow start. And you know, what, what, what happened on Saturday, we got to talk about that at some point uh, with this putting, well, missing that short I've putting. got a whole yeah. sheet here on, on Jordan. Don't, it's coming. It's uh, coming. But, but yeah, I, I really feel like Morikawa is, he's just rock solid. He's, he's a good closer and, and that, and, and vice versa. Louis, I mean, this is, we, we've so. seen this too many times. I've seen this movie too many times. And I, I, I thought that might maybe this year this would be different. It, I, I think he has such an affinity for the British Open and comfort playing those style courses. He did hold it together yesterday once he once he let a couple guys back into the tournament. But just one of those, you know, he just doesn't step on a, on anyone's neck. He's just never been able to prove to do well, that. Well, I guess he did it the one time he did when he won by seven. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's but, the thing, though. There, he's now going up against a generation of players who don't remember that. And and he is going against – and and Louis in 2010 at, at, at um, St. Andrews, I was there for that. It was no contest. Like, he had he had that thing wrapped up. And I remember talking to Paul Casey about that on Saturday. He's like – he didn't come out and say we're playing for second. But everyone realized Louis wasn't going to get caught. It just wasn't going to happen. And And – but he's now going up against Colin Morikawa is 23, um, you know, and, and so he, he was at that point, what, do, do the math. He's 12 years old when Louis wins his British Open. I don't know that, that he's afraid 
of Louis Oosthuizen. Um, and I don't think the way that he's now playing, Jordan Spieth needs to be afraid of Louis Oosthuizen. But before we sort of go into those guys a little bit, I want to go a little bit more on to Morikawa. Um, do you get encouraged to some degree, the fact that he's not a bomb and gouger? Do you like the fact that he plays the style that he plays and obviously is successful? Or do you think that that he's going to be the anomaly sort of in the group and that, that the distance thing is still going to be there? And I, I, I kind of love the way that, that he plays, but I don't know that there are a lot of guys who are going to be good enough to do it. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather watch Morikawa and Jordan kind of plot their way around the golf course um, and some of the magic that that Jordan comes up with rather than just watching somebody bludgeon the way Bryson did at, at Wingfoot last year. Or, you know, even I mean, John Rahm's got a little like he's a real five tool guy. I enjoy watching John Rahm. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. But yeah, bomb and gouge. It's I, I'm, I'm more of the rollback crowd. <laughs> do you think do you? Well, well, yeah. Do you think that 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 the way that the golf courses are set up in the U.S. on the PGA Tour by and large that it's almost impossible to unless you were at the most elite level, which Morikawa has shown he can play. On some days, there are a handful of other guys who can maybe do it as well. We'll see where Jordan is going to go in the next six months, 12 months, etc. Um, you almost need a golf course like a Lynx in order to to get rid of the bomb and gush because we saw a number of the biggest hitters they didn't really get things going or they were streaky at best. They didn't have the steadiness. And all of a sudden, like, it's great to make a couple birdies because you're, you've got short wedges into these par fours. But then you hit it in the deep fescue, you're screwed. I mean, it's almost like the golf course yeah, is PGA, taking that away to some degree. The PGA Tour setups encourage bombing gouge. It's that simple. I mean, Jeff Ogilvy said to me, if, you, if you're out there, your, your goal is to make as much money as possible. And if they're telling you, hit it as far as possible – you're going to be able to yep. wedge it in. There's not going to be rough. That's what you're going to work on. You're going to work on bombing it. And and yep. so, you know, until there's some concerted effort to change course setup or the golf ball or the driver, then, then mm-hmm. you know, that, that the bombing gouge is going to continue to be what we see from most of the top players. They're not going to have to work. They don't have to work on shaping it. Which is, which is more impressive to you, Morikawa's mental approach and his attitude the the between the ears part of his game or the iron play i think the iron play i i saw a great <laughs> great stat yeah. about how the difference between him and number two in strokes gain approach massive it is the same as the difference between number two and 55 and i mean that's crazy so yeah yeah i mean i think i think yeah. justin thomas is is a really close second to him in iron play these days but what what Morikawa is doing is very special. It's um, it's Tiger esque, and I don't mean to sort of just throw that out lightly because a lot of people are like, oh, who's the next Jordan? Who's the next this? If you look at the stats on the PGA Tour for you know we're we're almost to the end of the PGA Tour season, so you can start to look at the whole season and compare it to completed seasons previously. The, and, the and best. I one more point yeah, on. On Friday, I mean, it was an absolute stripe show by Morikawa, and probably you know he's a he's a pretty he's not a cocky guy at all. And, and the most no. modest thing I've heard him say, I think, since he turned pro, is he said, you know, I feel like I can hit my six iron as well as a lot of these guys hit their wedges, and that's Which, what he's been doing. He he's not lying. He's not lying. I mean, that's the thing. No. I mean, what I was saying is that that. that among the best seasons on the PGA Tour in strokes gain approach, n- no surprise, Tiger Woods has 
the top three. Um, Morikawa is right there behind him. Statistically, is is in the conversation with this 2021 season. And as you said, you know, if his putting is anywhere halfway decent, he's really hard to beat. Who who um who completes the career Grand Slam first? Rory, Jordan, or Morikawa? I think probably Morikawa. <laughs> I realize that. I mean, the, the question is like he obviously at this point he needs a U.S. Open and he needs a Masters. Um, Rory needs a Masters. Jordan Spieth needs a PGA Championship. So you, you do the math. Um, I I kind of agree. You know what? For a long time, I I am not high on Rory right now at the Masters, and we've got eight and a half months, as I said, to to start getting that through there. Rory McIlroy still seems to be adrift. He threw a club this week, which he hasn't done in years. I think there's frustration. I think that um, there are a lot of things going on there that we're probably not privy to in terms of him trying to find his game and get himself back to where he expects himself to be, where we expect him to be. Jordan Spieth is on the upward thing, and I I could see Jordan getting a PGA championship relatively soon because as frustrated as he was with some parts of his game that we're going to talk about in just a second – he seems to have righted the ship and kudos to him for, for coming back from not a great situation. I don't see a golf course or a setup that for Colin Morikawa doesn't work. The ones that if you would ask me now, like what is the most likely tournament where he would win? I would think a U.S. open because historically I think he's long enough where if he goes to the big ballparks, excuse me, like a Tory Pines. He's going to go to the country club next year, which they're going to stretch out his iron game travels and he's going to get a lot of looks and he puts well enough that he's going to be able to get away with that. Will he put well enough on Augusta on Augusta? Well, and that's that, that, that's that to me question. is going to be the one that the, the thing to me with, with Morikawa and the masters is I think he's capable of putting well enough, um, potentially to win, but I think the same he can, can do be a said VJ for more players. I think that what can happen for him is there are more players who can play Augusta National well than can play traditional U.S. Open-type venues well because they, they can recover. Um, we've seen it over the years where guys can get get it up and down from all over the place at Augusta National. It's built for that, whereas Morikawa is going to need to just have stripe shows and then make putts. We know how he's going to play it. How is in the next three, five, seven years, how is Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kapka, Rory, if he finds it, um, Bryson, how are the biggest hitters going to attack the new and improved Augusta Nationals? They keep stretching out, and we're seeing aerial photos, and as the golf course changes, I think it becomes a little bit harder for Colin, but I, I think that it's certainly possible. It's absolutely possible. Um, so I, I would say I w- my, my money would probably be on Colin, too, with, with Rory as a close second. Uh, excuse me, with Spieth is a close second. Spieth misses pots. It goes bogey, bogey. <clears throat> Pardon me. 17 and 18 Sunday. And said afterwards, that was probably as pissed as he's ever been coming off a golf course. He was looking for something to break afterwards. Um, he lost this tournament on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, he would have. He, he likely would have been in the, the final group. I, I think he felt that he was going to make a birdie on one of those two holes. And, yep. and be the be at least the co-leader and and be in the last group be able to kind of see how everything was playing out and and those those two strokes really were the difference of being in a in a playoff the way things ended up um yeah I mean he 
He's had a few struggles with the real short putts. You with you know the way how great a putter he is. You, you would have thought that would not be the club that would let him down, but it but it really did. And um, yeah, he was furious. He didn't talk to the media. He went straight to the putting green to work on things. And he said he wasn't. He didn't really get over it until after dinner. And he continued to you know hit some putts with the you know last night used the uh, a putting trainer training device in the morning and yeah. And, and just, uh, you know, he didn't make anything uh, significant early on. I thought he really needed to make a putt kind of in those first three, four holes to, um, you know, kind of get over that. And I think that could have been a big factor. But, you know, he, he got off to a slow start. Then he did everything he probably could have to at least make it interesting. Well, and, and he said as much. He said he did every, I did everything I could do, got off to the bad start, um, which he did, and – then he threw a couple haymakers out there. I mean, Spieth did what he was supposed to do. I mean, if, you're right. If if he finds a way to make a birdie out there, he he makes two bogeys. He bogeys four and he bogeys six. Okay, Morikawa makes pars on there. So there's the two-shot swing right off the bat. Morikawa obviously goes on seven, eight, nine, makes his birdies. Spieth gets his. Um, it, it, to me, was really encouraging. I was not wanting to see it. But I was half expecting a really, really off the planet drive, something that would have flown <laughs> to France. I mean, at some point or another, like, you know, you're right there by the channel. I'm like, and it didn't happen, which doesn't mean that he was perfect by any means, but his misses by and large were playable. The iron game was solid. The short game was wonderful. He had some really, really sweet up and downs basically every day that kept saving his bacon. And that's fine. Um, I almost get more comfortable with Jordan Spieth putting from 12 to 15 feet than I do from like three to five feet. Am oh, yeah. I wrong in that? And, and, you know, he four <laughs> rounds posted in the – no, I don't think so. Four four rounds posted in the 60s. You know, it was the putter that let him down at the Masters too. So, you know, I, I, that that's really surprising that he struggled with that. He said his putting is not where he wants where he, he wants yeah. it to be, where, where it used to be. He's still got work to get back to there. He, I think thought he's done an incredible job getting it to where it is now because there was that brief pattern where he he was looking you know people were talking about the yips with him and he he's gotten over that for the most part and he came back and won this year um, in Texas and this is this has been really impressive I mean I I did not think he was going to be a Ryder Cup guy and and I mean he's not even going to need I don't oh, think he's, he's not going to need a pick I, I he he will be on the team. I mean, whether he needs a pick, doesn't need a pick, yeah. he will he will be on the team. So you mentioned Jeff Ogilvy a little while ago. I talked to him it's been far too long ago now, when he was sort of on the decline. And it was a strange conversation because we were speaking and, and it's one of those sort of things that you know that it gets tricky when you're talking to players who are kind of in a slump or who are not been playing well for a while and you talk to them about guys not playing well. And you sort of do this little dance around it. He was very candid and he said, Well, one of the challenges is that a lot of times guys who are great putters, if they lose it, there aren't very many of them who ever get it back. It's it's not like it's something that like you 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 hear about somebody who can really roll it, and for whatever reason they get off track. It's, if they don't get it back quick, so it's just a little blip, it doesn't usually come back. Spieth was in a pretty dark place swing wise. Um, golf-wise, it feels like for about two and a half years there. I mean, he wins the 2017 Open at Birkdale. Tremendous win. It's great. I think 
18 and 19 were pretty bleak. I mean, it was, if you're a Jordan Spieth fan, those were some lean times. And you get some little flashes here and there where you'd be like, one round here, one round there. Like, okay, this is nice. And then he finds it, seemingly, in Phoenix this year. And damn if golf isn't a lot more fun when Jordan's playing well. I mean, he is, as I sort of tweeted out, he's like the the Shakespeare of talking to your golf ball. I mean, you get the whole bit when when he's playing. I, I for one, didn't realize that I missed having Jordan Spieth around as much as clearly I do because, I mean, we're not supposed to play fair. I love watching this guy play. I love watching him play in majors. I love watching him grind it out. He is such a good grinder. Um, he makes for great theater. He's really easy to root for, too, isn't he? I, I agree with you. Totally agree with you. It's It's been fun to watch him. I mean, it was some of my favorite memories are watching him win some majors early in his career mm-hmm. and just do magical things with the putter, make putts, making those putts late in the round at Chambers Bay and, and, and the way he just manhandled Augusta National. 18 under 270 tie and tiger what was tigers you know they shared the record until dj last year i he's a special player and and you know if it started to feel almost like the game was maybe passing him by with bomb and gouge and it was hard for him to keep up and i I was starting to wonder is he going to become like a, a justin leonard type who you know had his run and then he and then it's over and and um but but no i'm jordan Jordan's got something special upstairs. I really think, you know, his mind is, is creativity oh, I, I agree. and his I, belief I think he's is, one of these, is the he's best one of quality. These, yeah, he's he's one of these golf savants. Like, I think that, like, you know, he is just somebody who really understands the game and the creativity of it. He said that he likes to play links golf and really enjoys and tends to play well when he goes to the open because it sort of frees him up. He, he sort of, it's, it brings out more of the artistic side, more of the creative side of his golf rather than, thinking so linearly, um, which a lot of the, as we so said, the, the PGA Tour courses, by and large, dictate how you need to play. And that doesn't necessarily fall into the way that Jordan Spieth probably should play. And and when he is able to shape shots and creatively get up and down and work the ball and, and to do the things that we see him do because it's required at a Lynx course, it seems to bring out the best in him. And I also think that because those courses tend to be more difficult and they put a lot more emphasis on your attitude and and how you mentally approach it you're willing to take the good breaks with the bad breaks and he can whine and complain just like everybody else but then he gets on with his business and and that's fine i think that's that's human um i think it's really good for him and and i yeah i i just enjoy i i will be very surprised if candidly he and justin thomas with tiger woods on the sideline if they're not paired together in Ryder cup then there needs to be a full-fledged investigation of the committee. I mean, because those guys, I would think, should be primed to be the A-team. You know, I think that you can sort of mix things around, and I know that he's played a little bit with Reed, but, man, I just want to see those two guys put together and unleashed against the Europeans in Ryder Cup. Um, doesn't it also Louis feel Houston, like Doesn't it also feel like a yeah, really, lo- really long time ago that he was number 92 in the world? Yeah, it, it does, doesn't it? Which... Thank God. I don't know exactly where he's going to end up being, you know, on Monday morning. We're taping this on Sunday afternoon, East Coast time. Uh, I would say right now he's probably he's he is playing like a top 10 player. Now, I, you know, it's it's something that I just think that I think that there's probably one more win in him in 2021. Um, I, I think that he is going to be a major factor at Ryder Cup. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he picks off 
um, you know, one of the FedEx Cup playoff events, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, because I think that he's just going to have a lot more confidence. I think he's going to have confidence that he can contend without putting great by his standards. And if he starts to putt better, um, that's a frightening thought too. Just like with Morikawa's ball striking, Spieth's putting is a weapon. And with his efficiency improving off the tee and from the fairway, he can get to that weapon faster. And that's just going to help him out immensely. Louis Oosthuizen is one of only two players to shoot over par on Sunday who finished in the top 10. Scotty Scheffler and he both shot 71. Um, coming into the day, I would have thought Louis was the guy to beat. We've talked a little bit about Louis already. How surprised are you that collapse is a little bit of a strong word? It really came down to one hole where the wheels really came off and he cards a six on the front nine on the lone par five, and that, that really set him back. It looked like maybe the first couple rounds – I'm not going to say we're smoking mirrors, but he didn't play anywhere near that type of golf on Saturday and Sunday. How surprised are you that, that Louis didn't get it done again in a major? I'm not that surprised. I thought he might be able to do it this time, but I'm not surprised because this is we've seen this this too many times. He's had a lot of chances, one for seven now, closing out 54 hole leads on the PGA Tour. He... You know, other than when he won his British Open title by seven strokes, he just has not been a closer. And 69-71 on the weekend, that, that's not going to win you too many majors unless it's, a, you know, a U.S. Open or British in horrendous weather. So he's going to be 40 the next time we're playing major championships, if I'm not mistaken. 39 uh, I think now. he's 38. Yeah. Is he 38? Okay, 39. He's 38 now. 39. There, there is 50 years worth of scar tissue that has got to be on his mind at this point. I mean, let's let's be honest with you. He's he has a tremendously good, optimistic view of the world, and a great attitude. He's getting used to it. He gets he kind of knows what to say when you come in second, or you know, in this case, he's tied for third with John Rahm. Um, I don't think that he is somebody that's got enough killer instinct in him to really get in the lead in these things and stretch it out. I don't think that he necessarily choked today. I think that Lynx Golf sometimes presents you with some really lousy breaks um, in some of those pot bunkers, and he got one. Um, and a couple other things just didn't happen to go his way. I don't know necessarily know that, like, you know, yeah, Colin Morikawa outplayed him. Um, but I guess where I'm sort of going with this is that, like, at some point or another, he may say all the right things about coming in second or letting yet another opportunity, you know, not not coming through on it. At some point, though, like, this has got to hurt him, right? Like, at some point, you just got to, like, the, the doubt has got to start seeping in. You're going to hear everybody like us saying, like, he's he's not going to get it done, right? Well, the reason I thought it could be different this time is because he's become such a better putter. I, when, I, when I read that he was number one, when I saw, looked up, strokes gained putting, and saw he was number one on tour this season, I thought it had to be, like, a mistake. <laughs> because this is a guy who traditionally more around 100. Um, he's never been a, a really good putter. That's what's kept him back. He's got the most beautiful swing, cool, calm, composure. Um, you know, he, if he's if he's going to be the number one guy in strokes gained putting, he should be winning at least two or three times. I, I, I'm a little. It just blows my mind that he's still got this one win. And he's never won in the on the PGA tour uh, PGA tour in the U.S. Never won in the U.S. He's he's won some tournaments on the European tour. A bunch in South Africa since since 2010. I don't want to take those away. They're 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 victories, mm -hmm. and he and he deserves them. He earned them. But 
you know, it, it just seems incredibly odd that he hasn't been able to win on the PGA Tour with with all the talent that he has. And and now you add in and being such a good putter, I think he could still do it. I mean, he showed he's he's had a, a runner up in all four majors. He's got that runner up slam. So he, his game travels. It fits all the different styles. I mean, he should have a he should have a, a Masters by now. He's had yep. two great chances there. Um, I, I think he still could do it because he does bounce back. The fact that he was able to to go um, T two second T three these last three events, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't because it gets harder. I think as you get older, but I, I don't think the window is clo- is closed yet. So I'm looking at his statistics right now um, for at PGA Tour events. And yes, I hear everybody out there already. The British Open is not a PGA Tour event. Okay, fine. Thank you. Louis Oosthuizen makes 91% of the putts that he faces inside 10 feet at PGA Tour events this year. That is number one on tour. As you said, he is number one in strokes gained putting. He's the only player with a strokes gained putting average above one which means for people who may not be quite aware, that means he is gaining a f- over, more than one full shot against the stroke average of the field based purely on his putting. And as you mentioned, he is thought to have one of, if not the best golf swings on the planet. I mean, like his golf swing is one that everybody stops and just admires. The tempo is amazing. Like he's, he's a fantastic player. And this year he has statistically been the best putter at PGA Tour events. He putted very well throughout most of the British Open. Why doesn't he win more? Like, what 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 are you attributed to? Like, I sort of said that the, he lacks sort of the killer instinct and stuff like that. People have criticized him. I'm not alone in this, and that he's not hungry enough. He doesn't want it enough. Like, I I guess whatever. But like, what do you attribute the the fact that he hasn't won as much to? Yeah, some of that is the killer instinct. I mean, I think let's look at some of the times he hasn't won this year. He hit it in the water in a playoff at the Zurich Classic that basically lost that team event. Um, that that was a brutal drive to the right. Then at the U.S. Open, I don't know if that's still in his head about a big miss right. Yep. So he misses left, take loses a penalty. And then, t- and then today, uh, a drive into that bunker on 13, it went into the bunker, but that was basically like hitting it off a cliff because he he had no, no shot to the green. He had no choice but to to uh, explode out, and, and that was a that was a penalty stroke there. And so, mm-hmm. in big spots, he's he's not coming up, he's not getting it done, and, and he he didn't make any big putts today. He really didn't. Nothing. He, he made nothing. So, he, so number number yeah. one, but what's but on number but on Sundays at majors, he's not number one. <laughs> no, he's he's not. So he, being South African, does not have a Ryder Cup coming up. He is withdrawn from the Olympics. Uh, Morikawa is going to play in the Olympics. Um, so the math tells me he's got eight and a half months before he gets another big-time event. Now, you can say, like, the FedEx Cup is big-time or not. I'll leave that up to listeners to decide how big-time that's going to be. Um, eight and a half months to sit on the stuff. You're coaching Louis Oosthuizen. Hey, Louis, we've got eight and a half months to to try and improve, get better, do something so that you're going to contend and hopefully win your Masters. What are you telling him? I'm calling. I'm telling him. Let's let's get with a sports psychologist. Let's let's take that next step, and and try to try to get a little more mentally tough. Because I think mm-hmm. whatever he's been doing in those early rounds is phenomenal. But the the pressure on the back on the the final rounds 
he's he hasn't been the same guy and it's hard i mean that is that's you know there are very few tiger woods out there um so i I think i think he's so close i think he just needs to keep doing the same things i think he's stick with that ping putter that's working that ping voss that he's you know throw that barrel of other putters into the uh, ocean like he (laughs) talked about and and just rely on what you got. You've got everything you need to be. You've already won a major. That's the cool thing is he's got he's got one. But yeah, he's got us. He's also got the most runner ups of anyone who's ever won at least one. So you know he'll be remembered differently if he can get over the hump and get the second. If he gets if he gets the second, then a lot of those runner ups start looking a lot better. Um, Phil Mickelson early in his career had difficulty getting his first one, but now that he's got six, those early shortcomings. At major championships throughout the course of his career start to look better um yeah i don't want to put him in right now with jim furick but to me there are uh, there are some players who do win a major championship and have had success and louis had success but you end up almost becoming more well known or more famous for what you didn't do or what you didn't win than what you did we're going to start to think about louis as being one of these guys who yes like he isn't lumped in there, the players who have never won a major, because he did win in 2010 at the Open. And he did win a St. Andrews British Open, which gets you a little gold star, um, like winning an Oakmont or a Pebble Beach US Open does. I get all that. But just like this, like like Furyk to me in some ways, like there were so many opportunities to elevate your career, to elevate your standing. And um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I, I mean, you know, again, we're, we're not in the business of picking favorites. That's not what we do. But Louis is a really good guy, and he's easy to root for and easy to to sort of feel good about him because he is as personal and good and and has handled all of this adversity, if you want to call being runner-up in a major championship adversity. But, like, he's taken it well, but he's he's in in my ground, like, he's on quicksand right now. Like, he needs to get over this and needs to win something. Otherwise, I look at this guy's career, and I'm like, yeah, wonderful golf swing, super good dude good with the media should have won four majors got one early and there and there's louis Ustazen for you um bryson dechambeau was the gift that keeps on giving this week <laughs> um once again and um yeah i don't even know like how to begin this to be honest with you obviously everybody knows he he says his driver sucks after the first round um that didn't make some people happy. And then the firestorm basically breaks out when Cobra says some comments and basically gives some pushback that that I was able to report on, and that got interesting. <laughs> um, and then he makes the cut on the number, has a nice final round, but where does Bryson go from here, I guess is my thing. Like, okay, he didn't win the British Open. I'm not wholly surprised at that. But... Bryson's career trajectory coming out of the U.S. Open at Winged Foot in 2020 looked like it was going to be one thing. Now, he's got a different caddy on the bag. I think the perception of him has changed. I think he's probably needs to or has started doing a lot more self-reflection. Where where does Bryson go right now? Um, the crazy thing was we didn't even really talk about the caddy this week, having the new new guy <laughs> on the bag. It, it, it became a totally forgotten topic because of everything else. I think, I, I think he's going to be okay. He's going to, he's going to need to do his talking with his sticks more than anything, because, mm-hmm. um, he's got a lot of crow to eat with the people at, at rocket mortgage from a couple of weeks ago with, with the yes. Cobra people. And, you know, it, 
he, he keeps putting his foot in his mouth. And, it, you know, it was, this was not a good week for him. But the British Open is going to be a tough, a tough one for him to win. Though I do think I'd be interested to see what happens with his game next year at St. Andrews, which is, you know, yeah. Zach Johnson won there the last time. So you don't have to be a bomber to win there. But, you know, you go back in history there. Jack Nicholas won twice. Tiger won twice. Even John Daly won there. So the grip it and rip it strategy can work can pretty work. well there. It'll, it's going to come down to the weather. But I feel like if there's one place that he might might be successful at the British Open, I feel like that's probably the best spot for him. So my my thought is I was sort of penning down what we were going to talk about today, and I sort of put down that question to you. Um, if I were advising him, I would tell him to basically shut up. I would t- I would basically tell him like, look, we 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 get it. You're a bright, inquisitive guy. You have a very different approach, and I personally love it. I love the fact that he is willing to do things differently. I have a lot of respect for his um, courage. And I think it takes courage to have won an NCAA championship, to have won um, a U.S. amateur, to have won a PGA Tour event, um, and then to make some changes and to go full on in a different type of playing philosophy and to be 100% committed. And I think he is 100% committed to playing the bomb and gouge style as far out on the bell curve as he possibly can. But he, to your point, has not been helping himself trying to play the smartest kid in the in class, you know, role. Um, I think the best thing that he could do to try and ingratiate himself onto fans, sponsors, everybody, um, and probably himself, is just to lay low and, as you say, let the sticks do the talking. Just play golf. We know how he's going to play it. I don't think that he needs to play or change the style that he's playing, um, per se, but if he just sort of keeps to himself and, and goes about his business a little bit better and shows if, and shows the discipline that way, that he shows the discipline to bulk up his body and to, to train and to do the things that he's clearly shown he can be disciplined, if he can do that, then I think all will be right with the world. Yeah. Um, if, if, he, if he doesn't, then I, I don't know where this goes. I'll be honest with you, because I think fans have had enough of it right now. Yeah, I mean, I think... He needs to show better accountability and he needs to treat people better because I don't think, I don't understand why a guy would leave a job where he's basically making a million a year carrying a golf bag. I know it's, it's a lot of, a lot of work that Bryson demands, but not too many people give up that job unless, uh, are you kidding me? It it must be pretty horrific work conditions. He wasn't working in a, in a sweatshop. uh, No, he he wasn't quite well. Yeah, he wasn't putting hoods on Buicks, as you're saying, and on the assembly line. And and I think that being a caddy for Bryson would be one of the more challenging gigs out there because of the uniqueness of what he's going to ask his caddy to do. The setups and practice routines, the different types of things, the way that he approaches the game is different than the way that most caddies would have ever worked for a client before. So like you're going to have to change, as a caddy, your approach to your job to fit this particular player. Like, okay, so you get on that, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot that needs to happen for him. Uh, it's going to be really strange, the dynamic that gets created out there with him on the Ryder Cup team. Um, obviously, the whole Brooks thing when Brooks you know, says that he loves his driver um, was just wonderful. We were waiting for the jab that was going to come, and, and, it, and he waited and waited and then tossed it out there and ends up, you know, of course, Brooks Kepka 
uh, T6 along with Mackenzie Hughes. They were five shots back, never really a factor at, uh, at Royal St. George. It's going to be a weird dynamic in the team room with Bryson. Um, I don't know if Tiger's going to be there or not. I know that he's tight with Tiger, but it's going to be strange. Do you think that the players in the Ryder Cup, uh, what, what do they make of him? Do they basically just think, they, do they just ignore all this stuff and let it go? Or do you think this is something that like they sort of smirk or sort of snicker a little bit behind his back and just hope he plays well? I, I think it's kind of like what Bryce, uh, what Brooks Kepka said is that, yeah, for one week, he, you know, these guys can be friends with anybody. I, I don't think, I, I don't, you know, there's definitely an incredible camaraderie with the, with the European team, but some of those guys don't get along that well. And then sure. for that one week, like, like, you know, Harrington and, and Sergio, they, those two guys had been at odds for many years, but for that one week, they were, they were teammates. They let, you know, they, you just got to let things go. And I, I think I'm not, I don't know. I think it comes down to a lot of how Steve Stricker runs things as, as captain. And I, you know, he's, he's not that tough guy. He's got a, he's going to have to like kind of lay down some, some house rules and, and try to get, you know, there's Bryson, there's Patrick Reed too. If he ends up making the team, how do, how do these guys all blend in and, and mesh and, and can they become a team for, for the, for that th- really three days? So Royal St. George gave us for winners, Darren Clark in 2011, uh, before that, 2003, Ben Curtis, who by and large TV chose to ignore during most of the <laughs> promos. You, you always sort of see the, the previous winners. There was lots of Darren Clark stuff, lots of Greg Norman stuff. And I thought it was very interesting that they just sort of breezed right past 2003 Ben Curtis. Um, what do you think of Royal St. George? Did, did this British Open change your opinion one way or the other about this venue or is this yet another, you know, what looks like a really interesting link style course, but but by and large, maybe not your favorite, nothing special, wouldn't mind if they decided to go other places a little more often and we don't see Royal St. George for another decade and a half. I, I enjoy I like, you know, for the British Open, I like quirky. I think it's I think it's there's a there it, there's a place for, for Royal St. George's in this lineup. I, I like it. I think it it showed very well. It did not favor any real t- any style of player other than you know if you could if you could hit a lot of fairways and greens that that seemed to work pretty well. And then you know it 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 it, it kind of like a lot of I felt like a lot of guys that aren't great putters the slower greens kind of mitigated any advantage for the for the better putters. I, I don't know, but that's pretty much all the link style courses. So. I thought it played out pretty well. I'm not sure I love seeing, you know, this record low scoring. Uh, but hey, when it, if the wind doesn't blow at St. Andrews next yeah. year, they'll they'll shoot 25 under there. I mean, there have been guys who've shot 63 at St. Andrews, and and that's because they get it on a day when the wind's down, the greens are soft. Um, I had the idea, and, and this is I am far from the first person to to have this idea, but it occurred to me in watching this about how. So many of the pros were really flummoxed by the greens and the and the slowness of the greens. Why why doesn't if 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 there's a problem with scoring in this you know at, at PGA Tour events if people don't want to see the birdie fest should should they be slowing the greens down rather than speeding them up a little bit? Should we throw the pros a curveball now and then and say like have them rolling at ten and a half instead of twelve and a half or, or eleven and a half and stuff like that? It would seem like simply slowing the greens down is something that gives these guys a lot more to think about. They have to make a bigger stroke, and a lot of them 
clearly struggled. Yeah, I, I think you run into the situation where it's a it's a player run organization, and so the 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 bitching and moaning. Uh, the players typically are yeah. happy with the setups at PGA Tour events, and so um, they get good marks for that. So they're not going to change the formula that they've got. Seems to work, and and so I don't see that changing too. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing that every once in a while. Shoot, I don't want you changing the formula for the way that you do the podcast here on the Forward Press. Thank you very very much once again. <laughs> what uh, what can we look forward to seeing from you over the next couple of weeks on uh, GolfWeek.com? Oh. You know, just just uh, well, we got the Olympics in two weeks. That going to help cover yeah. that from uh, from the home office here, and uh, we got Steve Demeglio in uh, Minneapolis next week, and so some 3M coverage coming up. Just uh, you know, more of the same. Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll be checking it out. Thank you very much for once again coming on the Four Press. All right, thanks, Dave. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.